Happy Father's Day. Good to see all of the fathers that are here. Uh, you're a blessing to, to me, an encouragement to me uh, that you're here, and especially if you're here with your family this morning. Uh, what better place could you be on Father's Day morning than with your family? Today we're going to look at the memories of a wise man. And when we think about uh, the Bible and men who are wise, where does your mind go right away? To Solomon, yes. The guy who asked for wisdom when he could have asked for anything. But the Lord imparted to him wisdom, and because he asked for wisdom, he was given everything else too. There's a great lesson there for us in regard to what to ask God for. In Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, those first nine chapters, we find Solomon, he's pleading with his children to seek after wisdom. So if you, you want godly wisdom as a father, go, go and read those chapters at some point on your own time. But through a collection of these discourses, he encourages and illustrates the value of wisdom again and again, over and over throughout these chapters. And in our text, we're going we're to look at Proverbs chapter 4 today. In our text, which is Proverbs 4, 1 through 9, we find Solomon sharing memories of his own childhood. The things that David taught to him. Things that he thought were important. He's exhorting him to listen to his words and seek after wisdom as he looks at his own son. And as we examine these memories of a wise man, we will find several important principles in raising children to be godly, to be men and women who seek wisdom. And his first memory might be stated with these words. I'm going to, these, these little phrases that are the points of the outline here, these are things maybe Solomon said as he was imparting this wisdom. And you can almost hear him saying, I was taught these things by my father. Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 2 say, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. Do not forsake my teaching. These things were passed down to him, and he's in a sense telling his sons, These are, these, these are things that were taught by my father, and these are things I, I think are important to teach you. Solomon, who is the father, who takes his role seriously. He desires to teach his sons the wisdom that he was taught by David. But ultimately, who here is giving the instruction? God. Where did this wisdom come from that Solomon has to, to give to his children? It wasn't just David. Because where did David get it? Where did his father get it? And his father, and his father, and his father... The language used here indicates that the teaching or the instruction that's going on was from another. That it's passed down from generation to generation, from ancient days. And that this teaching is sound teaching, it's good teaching. Some translations actually use the phrase good doctrine. And what is the only good doctrine that exists? The Word of God. And so he, he knows the importance of handing these things down to his own children. The New King James Version says, For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. The same word that's used there is the word used for Torah in the Scripture. Or the Pentateuch. And what is that? Anyone remember? 
The first five books of the Bible, what would be referred to as the Jewish law. The law used in Scripture. 2 Chronicles 22, verses 12 through 13. We can read some of this instruction that, that David gave to Solomon. 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 12 and 13 says, May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when He puts you in command over Israel, so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave to Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. So David passed on God's law, God's teaching, to his son. And now Solomon's passing on those same wise teachings to his sons. And this responsibility of passing on the wisdom of God from father to son and, and so on, generation after generation, has been placed on fathers by God Himself. We have a chapter in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. It's a New Testament command for fathers to instruct their children in the ways of God. But if we think about the ways of the Lord, these wise teachings, what are some of the, the attributes that a godly father should have? Just throw them out. What are, some, what are some things that you should see in a godly father? Compassion. Compassion. Our, our heavenly father certainly is compassionate. What else? Discipline. A lot of them have patience, humility. What? Discipline. Discipline. Okay, yes, all good things. Integrity. Integrity. Love, absolutely. Faithfulness, yes. God's a faithful, loving God. He's faithful through, throughout generations. And so fathers, ought, they ought to have those same types of qualities, shouldn't they? As they love and provide and protect and comfort their children, as they're a leader in their own home, many of those qualities that we see in our Heavenly Father. According to, the, to our text and, and others, what, what is the primary attribute Okay, when we, we read about what Solomon was passing on, what is the primary attribute of God? If you were to ask someone, God is... What would they say? Okay, they, love? Holy. Holiness is really the primary attribute of God. Because any time God's holiness and His love come into conflict, which one has to weigh, weigh out? Holiness has to weigh out, doesn't it? Is God going to love every person that ends up in hell? Yes, He does. But why are they there? Because they didn't follow His holy instruction. They didn't follow His wisdom. So primarily, the, the, the primary attribute of a godly father, even though they love their children, they provide for their children, they protect their children, what needs to outshine all of the other attributes? What's that primary attribute that a godly father needs to have? If we're to be modeling after God, what is it? Holiness. And when a, a, a father follows after that, that idea and he tries to, to live the most righteous, the most pure, 
the most wise life that he possibly can, he's going to pass on those things to his own children. It's the responsibility of a godly father to not only live up to God's holy commands and his righteous standard, but to pass on those things to his own children. Now listen to me. This responsibility is not the responsibility of me. It's not the responsibility of the church. It's not the responsibility of the school or the teacher. Whose responsibility is it? It's the Father. Those those institutions may serve as aids if they are good resources, if they're teaching the truth and knowledge that is not anti-biblical. When they become places that go against the wisdom of God, we must reject them. The father has the ultimate responsibility before God to make sure his children follow the Word of God. They should never replace, those institutions should never replace the father's responsibility for training his children. Because the school, the the church, the teacher is not adequate. They're not adequately positioned to teach your children as God intended them to be taught. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on their children, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The teacher is not there when your children wake up. They aren't there when you put them to bed. The teacher isn't sitting at home at the dinner table or walking along the road with them. Neither is the church. It's the Father's ultimate responsibility to make sure that God's Word permeates the household. And this is something the church and the school alone cannot provide. Nor should they. Blessed are children that have fathers who accept their responsibility to teach God's Word in the home. What happens when fathers fail to fulfill this charge? They're certainly going to be held accountable by God. Turn with me back in 1 Samuel chapter 2. In 1 Samuel chapter 2. We have the account here of Eli trying to correct his sons. Starting in verse 22 of 1 Samuel 2, it says, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel, how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And so he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours, No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. 
for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. Eli failed in his power to restrain them. If you turn over to chapter 3, starting in verse 11, it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. When a father is is absent in his ability to pass down God's wise counsel. These sorts of things happen when he's not able to restrain his children according to the Word of God. When he, when he doesn't bring them up in these teachings from an early age. Blessed are the children that have fathers who provide for these things in their lives. Now there are some circumstances where the father's absent. Maybe that maybe he's passed. Maybe it's a situation of divorce. The father's no longer there. Well, who then needs to step in and provide this instruction? The mother, a grandparent, a concerned family member needs to make the time to show God's wisdom to young people. We have a situation in Scripture like this with Timothy. And T- Timothy was blessed to have a godly grandmother and mother, we read about in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And they evidently taught Timothy the Scripture as a child, because Paul refers to it, and he says, you were brought up in these things. You've known the Scripture from a young age. And they made sure that wisdom was passed along and Blessed are the the children who have someone who steps in and gives God's holy wisdom when it's needed. Solomon was taught by his father, and one of the greatest gifts a, a father can give to a child. But we note also when it happened from verse 3. He says, I was taught while I was tender. Verses 3 and 4 of our text say, For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart and keep my commands and you will live. So the teaching occurred while he was very young, while he was impressionable, while he was open to what the father had to say. And also while he was at an age, young age, where he was still willing to listen to what the father had to say. It's a common thing, and it's, it's easy. I find myself struggling with, with, the, with being able to do it at times with my own children. But it's, it's easy to give your children a lot of freedoms when they're young. And allow them to do pretty much what they want to do. And you've seen it. You've seen young children rule the house. When really what should be happening is that the parent should... Reign in those freedoms. Give the child very little freedom. Provide for instruction, discipline, and wisdom at a young age. 
then as they grow older, you're able to give them more freedom because you know that they can handle it. Solomon realized that it's at a very young age that he was taught, and he's passing this down to his sons while they're still young enough to hear what their father had to say. Notice how Solomon was an obedient son. The idea here is that his father had taught him and he humbly listened to and learned from his father. And he also mentions that he cherished his mother. And there's much to be said about that that need for a husband and wife relationship that works perfectly in the home where the mother provides the the cherished nourishment, the, the love, the comfort, and the father is there to provide the wisdom and have the disciplinary role. And it's a a beautiful picture of how God works because God's all of those things, isn't He? He's able to to execute those ideas perfectly. But it's only within that husband and wife relationship that you can pass on that wisdom in such a way. Both father and mother working together is an earthly representation of all the good things that God is. Teaching often occurs too late, though. After the child gets into a lot of trouble or after he begins to question everything that the parents say, when a child is more likely to disregard or disobey. I put a a post out and asked a few people uh, to bring some things, maybe some stories or an object that made an impression on you uh, in your young life, something that your father taught you. For me... It was a pair of gloves. Now for me, it signifies a lot of things. But the, the main thing is that there's always something more to do. I remember at very young, I started working for my dad. And he would drop us off somewhere back before I could even drive. And one of the last things he would always tell us when he left, when I get back, don't let me see you sitting down. Because there's always something else to do. There's always some more weeds to pull. There's always mulch to lay down. There's always something to trim. Do your best, in other words. Do the right thing. Don't be lazy. Even when someone else isn't looking. Every time I pick up a pair of gloves, I still think about that. I find it hard to walk through my own garden at home and see a weed and not reach down and pick it up because it's just ingrained in me to do that. But I, I asked some others, uh, are there, is there anyone else that brought something or brought a story today? Anything that you can think of? A friend of ours, while you're thinking, I'll share you another one. A friend of ours uh, posted something and uh, he remembered working for my dad as well and he messed up with a, a, a check, and my dad had given him a check to go get some supplies at a nursery, and he forgot it. And he had to call my dad, and my dad was upset, but he, he remembers that when he showed up on the scene, that instead of yelling at him, instead of getting mad, that my dad stopped and prayed with him and gently restored the situation. So just a, a wonderful display of patience and, and kindness in a in a hard situation. But is there, is there someone else that maybe brought, a, brought something? Yeah. yeah? I didn't bring anything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to do a job, do it right. right. Anybody else have a little one-liner wisdom? Well, I, I, my boy Cody, Josiah, Nathan, they, they brought something, so I'm going to embarrass them. I'm going to bring them up. They're, they're the reason I can be a proud dad, so they're going to come up and join me today. But anybody else have something? Come on. I want them to, to share their, their object that they, they left for. Anybody? All right. So what did you guys bring and why did you bring it? I had this pretty much the same story as you. That there's, All right. There's always something more you can do. There's always something. So I've, I've, been, I've been successful in passing that down same at least. <laughs> well, I brought this because you taught us all how to fish. All right. Taught us fish. Yeah, don't give up. Yeah, be patient. Well, I, I thank you for bringing those things today, and um, you're a, a, a wonderful trophy. These are, these are my trophies. They brought their trophies. So thank you, boys. <laughs> but we all have those, those things that we can think back. We can think of that our fathers instilled in us from a young age. And it's really those impressionable things that we're at a young age that stay with us, isn't it? As you got older, maybe you had less time, maybe your dad had less time, and it, it became much more difficult to, to grasp on to his wisdom, or, or it becomes more difficult to think of things maybe as you got older. But when you were young, those ideas stay with you. Long before children are in, in school, this, this teaching needs to happen. Long before they are faced with peer pressure and the poor behavior around them, they need to be encouraged to to listen to authority. But when the, uh, the authority is someone or something that challenges God, we need to teach them to challenge that authority. Have the courage to stand up for the truth in difficult situations. Teach them to stand up for what is right and what really matters. To always defend the truth. Some teachers and leaders will, then, will even encourage them to reject their parents' authority in order to, to shove other ideas into their minds. Make sure that your children have godly wisdom. They have the truth they can be confident in. Biblical teaching needs to be taught long before a child is exposed to unsavory influences. Solomon mentions that if you take hold of my commands, you will live. How is it that his sons are going to be able to live if they take hold of of their father's commands? What will happen if they don't cherish these words of wisdom? What's the implication? It could lead to death. It could certainly lead to spiritual death if they don't heed God's Word. The teaching by a father needs to occur while the child is still in a position to be shaped and directed in the right way. Another memory from Solomon's childhood, he may have said, I I was taught by a concerned father. 
The concern of his father can be seen as we read verses 5 and 6. He says, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. His concern here is implied in these warnings. You can, you can hear him. You can see it on, almost see it on his face as you read it. How he's pleading with his children. Get wisdom. Please, with everything you have, seek wisdom. Don't forsake her, no matter what. Keep God's Word in the forefront of your mind. His father was very eager regarding his son's learning, and Solomon wants to do the same for his kids. And fathers today need to be concerned. In view of what's going on today in society, in general, fathers must be actively involved in the lives of their children. They have a responsibility to explain the dangers of sin, to help them learn from the mistakes that they made and mistakes of others. And even in light of what's happened in many churches where apathy is set in and worldliness and apostasy is reigning, it's up to the father and mother to instill God's Word in the lives of their children. Fathers who are worried for their children's future will take the time to teach their kids what they need. They'll implore God for wisdom in raising their children. They'll be present when it's important and willing to sacrifice prestige and success and personal desires to make sure that their children know God's Word. Fathers, do you have a pressing concern for the welfare of your children? You should. Because God is going to hold you accountable if you don't. And the last thing to consider from Solomon's childhood that maybe he Maybe he said was, I was taught the important things. We see this coming out in verses 7 through 9, where he says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen to the ways that he illustrates how to make wisdom the principal thing in life. What does it mean to gain wisdom, though it costs you everything? What are some things that he's implying here to his child that, he, that they're going to have to give up in order to gain wisdom? What are they? Anyone. What are some things that, the, that this child is going to have to give up in order to gain wisdom? Definitely, yes. Definitely worldly, worldly living. Living the way that I want to live. What else? What are some other things you're going to have to give up to gain wisdom? Yeah. Maybe friends. Yeah. Keep the right company. It's not always an easy thing to do. Maybe the pursuit of that job that they always wanted. 
Maybe certain hobbies that might tend to take over their life. Maybe even higher education. Wisdom is personified here as a a woman throughout the book of Proverbs. Why does Solomon paint the picture that he does with wisdom? Because men choose to place their affection in many different areas other than wisdom. And they never satisfy. They chase after, after fame and fortune and power and prestige. Try to buy influence and popularity and friendship, but it never works. The only thing truly worth all that you have is the wisdom that comes from God. And he says to cherish her. Cling to her tight. She will exalt you. Men want to be exalted by other men. But allow wisdom to exalt you instead. Because she will keep you from evil. Love her. Embrace her. She will honor you. 1 John 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Love God's Word so that you will be enticed by it and not by the world. She will watch over you, He says. The world will leave you, but God will be with you always. She will give you a garland to grace your head. Allow her to place that crown upon you. Earthly crowns are temporary and only last for a brief time. But James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Those are the things Solomon wanted to instill in his children. And those are the ideas we need to instill in our own children. The fathers often stress the unimportant and the trivial, the earthly. Too many times we're tempted to spend our time with our children on sports or hobbies. Not the things that lead to wisdom. Those things in and of themselves aren't bad. As you can see, I, I have hobbies that I enjoy with my children. But as you're doing those things, make sure that you're, impa- you're imparting that godly wisdom. And make sure that they never, ever take precedent over wisdom teaching. The role of the Father is to be the role model and that teacher of wisdom. Too many fathers want to be their kid's buddy, their pal. They're more concerned with never hurting their kid's feelings than they are with really teaching them. Much of the sinful confusion in our world today would be done away with if more men were men. And more men were godly fathers. And they passed on God's wisdom to their kids. Too often, the principal concern of fathers is that their children get a college degree or a high-paying job or an important position in society. But those things can be, and a lot of times are, harmful for your child. The worldly success presents many temptations. 
Many children have been destroyed by the careers and education that were actually encouraged by their, their parents. Today, colleges are a hotbed for liberal teaching. Many professors seek to turn your children away from you rather than encourage them to follow your wisdom. They want them to become atheists and communists instead of God-loving, upright, pure, living, wise individuals. Many jobs that parents in higher education push on their kids are so highly demanding that their career leaves little time for them to serve God and to serve the church. They're slowly drawn away by those worldly lifestyles associated with those positions. So what should be the highest goal for the godly father? What should it be? Is it a career? Is it the college education? Is it to be a, a number one sports star? I saw something here this week. It's like you, your child has a .02 something percent chance of ever being a professional sports star. But they have a 100% chance of standing before God one day. Where should your focus be? What is the highest and best goal for your child? To make it to heaven one day. That's the most important thing. And that they have the wisdom and the courage to live life so that they make it there. Without wisdom and understanding, your children won't be able to handle success. You want them to be successful. If you want them to have a college education, if you want them to get a good job, they're not going to be able to handle those things without God's wisdom. Solomon could look back on his childhood memories with gladness, knowing that he was taught by his father. He was taught while he was very young, and he, he was taught by a concerned father. And ultimately, that he taught him the most important things. Because Solomon's upbringing stressed the value of wisdom, we should not be surprised of his answer in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 when God gave him the choice. What do you want? Ask for anything, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon chose wisdom over riches, over honor, over a long life. But because he chose wisdom, God gave him all those other things as well. To have such a son, we must be like Solomon's father David. We're not going to be perfect, but we can be men after God's own heart. Men with a similar attitude toward God's Word. Fathers, are you telling your children these words? Do you live it out in your daily life as an example to them? What kind of childhood memories are you instilling in them so one day they can look back and they can recall that they were taught this wisdom by their father? 
we're going to give an opportunity for you this morning to seek the Lord of all. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you're willing to submit to God's wisdom, to His Word, to repent, to start a new life in Him, and to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to provide you with that chance today to start a new life in Him. And remember, remember what Solomon said, though it costs you everything, get understanding. The cost is great to become a Christian. It might just cost you everything that you have. But it's going to be worth it.